Ever wanted a career in football? At the Global Institute of Sport, you can now study a master's degree in football business or football coaching and analysis right here in Australia. GIS is the largest provider of sports degrees in the UK with campuses at Wembley and Etihad Stadium. Learn online with unique access to the iconic MCG and a big-hitting Australian industry network. Be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree and join GIS's global network of football leaders. Apply now to start in February 2023. Learn more at gis.sport.fnr. That's gis.sport.fnr. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Melbourne City are cruising, the Socceroos are bolting, and the atmosphere at the A-League men's is back. Well, sometimes, but it is still back in some parts, and it's great to have it. A round two review here on this week's edition of the Oz Football Hour with myself, Lockie Flanagan, and it's a pleasure to be joined, as I am every week now, by Jason Goldsmith. Jason? Welcome. Good to be here, Lockie. Some uh, some is. great some great football over the weekend, so there'll be a lot for us yes, to talk about. Some great... It was um, quite exciting and get some big crowds back too, especially at the victory game. Indeed. Some great uh, some great football during the weekend, some great uh, I guess football content before mm-hmm. the start of the week as well. We saw the finally the release of this long awaited and, and heralded uh, A League's all access documentary and Nani strutting his stuff in a, a twenty minute ep that was I think aired on on Ten Bold, but released on Keep Up uh, Paramount Plus as well. Did you enjoy it? I know you got your popcorn ready and everything. You enjoyed I, um, your screening. I did. I really enjoyed it. I really want to know what Nani's sit up routine has been throughout his career because um, he he liked getting his shirt off and he's a very very fit man for his age. But um, the the access that we were gained and a bit of an insight into Nani was fantastic. And I look forward to for more of them to come for the rest of the season. Yeah, and we're going to have a, a little bit of a, a chat about that documentary and some of the other ones that are rolling out across the A-Leagues at the moment with someone who is, well, I was going to say a documentary expert, but I guess she's more of a, a documentary star. A subject, perhaps. Super fan, Michelle Morris. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm willing to stick with star. I, I'll be more, be more generous than you, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Michelle Morris to join us later to talk. Uh, all things, all access and all things documentaries. But first, got to get through this weekend of uh, A-League men's football. It kicked off on Friday night, Jason. M- Melbourne City cruising, really, basically in cruise control up at Suncorp against Brisbane Raw. A comfortable win in the end from them. Did you watch watch this game? I did watch this game and it was a case of how far City, really. They, they dominated... The game that first half they were two 0 up and it was um it was a case of of how many are they going to score, um a red card put paid to that in the fiftieth minute when we lost the uh, Gamulka, um mm. from the game, uh, Brisbane got more of the football after that but they seriously weren't in it much at all and even when the <laughs> when City were down to ten men, Brisbane Raw didn't even look like um coming back into the clash it was quite dominant from City even with the ten men. It it really was, and it, it's kind of almost. I mean, you want want to give praise to City for such a controlling performance, but I don't even know. I'm not even sure to what extent City were actually all that good in this game. So much as as Brisbane were just 
pretty diabolical. I, I personally came away from this game feeling quite frustrated. I'm not expecting Brisbane to to necessarily beat City. I, I know that the sort of comparison of their two squads, the success of this City team is is something to behold, but I really, I don't know, I expected more from from Brisbane. They were quite sort of cautious and, and hesitant in the way that they approached the first 45. They went down... Uh, 2-0 and I don't think anyone could argue that wasn't a fair scoreline. I mean, Brisbane didn't have a shot in the first 45. Their XG was zero Mm -hmm. because they did not register an effort. Well, I was going to say register an effort on goal. They didn't register an effort anywhere. They could have kicked one out for a throw-in and it would have been one up on what they had. But even when Tarascan Walker did get sent off and in controversial, slightly controversial circumstances for some, mind you, they just did nothing. They They never, ever looked even a half chance of, of getting back into this game. It, it, do you put that down to to anything specific? Is it just the strength of City? Is it Why is it that Brisbane, because yes, they're not as strong a team as Melbourne City, but to not even be able to muster a significant challenge with a man advantage, what do you put that down to? Good question. I'm not sure. City were quite dominant, and I think um, – Jamie McLaren, with his little deflection first goal, is putting his um his case forward to stay in that Socceroos squad with a cup with the first two goals, the penalty and the and the deflection from Naboot's um uh, hard shot. I I'm not sure. Raw looks terrible in that first half. They didn't even like no shot on goal. That's fine. They didn't even look like getting close. To be honest, they didn't really have anyone. You could see the frustration on Charlie Austin's face coming off it at halftime, and and it begs the question. I think we spoke about off air too. They interviewed him before the game as he was being filmed for the next uh, A-League all-access documentary. So when they're getting to the um, the cutting room floor, I'm not sure how much of the game they'll need to show in that documentary. They'll need to show more of his um, him working, uh, living in Queensland and uh, his family and his lifestyle change and all the rest of it. He said all the right things pre-game in terms of this is here to, we're here to promote the sport, we'll promote into the World Cup with the Socceroos, into the Women's World Cup, get the A-League back on track. But, um, yeah, just... Really not even a whimper from the Raw. It was very disappointing for them at home too because um, I think they moved to Redcliffe from here on in till, till Christmas with their home games as well, so uh, leaving yeah. Suncorp Stadium. So uh, there's not really much to add, Lockie. It was just not really that good to watch, to be honest. Yeah, it was it was insipid, really. Yeah. And and we know the, we know the issues with the, that Redcliffe, Redcliffe has as a, as a venue, obviously, being a smaller, more suitable venue for the crowds that Brisbane are pulling, but also being 50 minutes away. Uh, roughly from from the CBD of of Brisbane, I mean, gee, if you're a Raw fan and that's your sort of final game at at, at Suncorp for a while, there's not a lot from that game, and it was, I think, made even more frustrating by the fact that they against Macarthur. Perhaps this says a lot more about Macarthur. I don't really know. Um, we'll get to them later, but they actually did have some quite exciting moments, albeit in a nil all draw. Um, that game is not convincing anyone that adding the extra 50 minutes of travel time to head to Redcliffe is, is worth it at all. That's it. Unless you're going to go see visit the BG statues in uh, in Redcliffe or something like that, there's not really a, a reason to get the Raw fans excited. Um, they're away next week to the Wanderers. Hopefully they can turn it around, I guess. Yeah, that'll be a fascinating Fascinating one. The Wanderers, one of the best starting teams. I feel like I want to save them for later, though, mm-hmm. because that probably was the marquee fixture 
of the round. Where else Where else do you want to take us as we put the Wanderers to one side? Let's go chronologically. Round. So the Jets, uh, 2-1 winners over Perth Glory on, the, on Saturday afternoon. On the board, finally, the Newcastle Jets actually getting to play a game and a, a pretty interesting game. I must admit that I only had sort of sort of one eye on it on the way mm-hmm. into onto the Wanderers game, but yeah, some pretty crazy stuff happening. Newcastle getting the win with with ten men after Jordan Elsie invoked the the spirit of of Roy O'Donovan and went for a a high kick against the face. I think it was a uh, poor old David Williams who he did cop it. the the stray studs. The, the ponytail probably helps, I guess, in terms of some added protection for. Mm. For Willow, um, look, they got the three points right at the death and the, the scenes were very, very exciting for the Jets faithful. Uh, managed to get a point. Uh, Perth, we don't think are going to be quite that strong this season. So um, for, to get their, their winner with 10 men in the dying seconds is, is one that didn't quite get away for Newcastle. So a good one for them. Elsie, we understand uh, after that Reds are going to miss the next two matches as well. So for that challenge, so um, a bit of a highs and lows from, from that match. We had his little... Uh, Walk like an Egyptian celebration when he, Jordan Elsie scored. He doesn't score too many. Uh, and then the red card and him missing the next couple. Yeah, the, uh, the, the duality of, of Jordan Elsie, it's, it's something to behold. You know, he, the, the Elsie giveth and the, the Elsie taketh away. But the, even his red card didn't stop Newcastle from managing to steal it in the, uh, the dying embers of the game. Josh Shatirio playing a pretty lovely counter-attacking uh, ball through to, to Becca Mikultadze, who was able to produce a, a finish into the corners. I don't think Newcastle were, from what I saw, at their best in this game. I'm not sure, you know, a, a, a sort of tense win against Perth is is truly the best reflection of what they're capable of agree, doing. Yeah. And, and maybe maybe Perth to, to a similar extent as well. But... I think winning ugly and winning when they are not at their best is something that the Jets struggled to do mm-hmm. last season. So, you know, those sort of crunch times is often where they, they fell away. So to snag one of those, I think is, yeah, it's good for them is a good thing. And for their momentum as well. You know, 10 men, injury time, all, all of those things that make it a little bit more exciting and, and hopefully some momentum for them as they go into host uh, the Phoenix next week. Absolutely. Well, that leads us on to the the team that I'd put to one side, Western mm-hmm. Sydney Wanderers, in fine voice travelling down to Amy Park, the raucous north end, up against the travelling RBB, mm-hmm. and an atmosphere to, uh, to to soundtrack what I think was a, a, a slow burn of a fixture, but certainly made better by the atmosphere and, and the scenes in the stands. But in the end... Uh, some have described it as a, a smash and grab from Western Sydney, a one nil win with Tommy Michella grabbing one of the well, one of the A League goals to end all A League goals. Really, you had everything. You had a centre back that you don't expect to do it, going on a mazy run out yep. of defence, going on a an adventure in Bilbo Baggins speak. Yep. You had that same centre back actually having a shot rather than choosing to pass it off to a teammate. And then a deflection, basically a double deflection, really, where it comes off the defender back onto Michella, who I don't think knew all that much about no. it. But his rebound, double rebound effort, ended in the back of the net in front of that uh, big wall of, of of victory support. As I said, some have described it as a, a smash and grab. Did you see it in the same way, Jason? I know you were there. Yeah, I I did actually because uh, Victory were by far, I thought, the better team. They had more of the ball, had more of a control of the ball. They were just lacking in some. 
I guess, positions, which made them struggle. And uh, the smash and grab mentality and, and description, I think, is perfect for it because Marcello has done it against the run of play just before halftime by running running down down <laughs> down the park and, and managed to uh, have an unlikely shot bounce back onto his foot to, to score. Um, the highlight for me is getting the crowds back, I guess, having away support and home support that was quite raucous and involved, and that's what we need to push for the A-League, they're probably the two clubs that uh, provide the best, historically the best atmospheres. I think Victory are the, the flag bearers for that. So to have just under 20,000 back uh, in Amy Park, and I think that was their, their their biggest crowd post-COVID. So we're starting to get people back. There'll probably be more this week as they host the Melbourne Derby, but probably one that got away from the victory, I thought. They should have um, would have hoped for the three mm. points going into it. I, I'm, I'm not sure I necessarily agree quite as much with the with the smash and grab thing, I, I actually thought that victory were uh, a bit disappointing uh, in this fixture. It's it, it's easy to forget that this is not the first time we've seen victory under Tony Popovich sort of given troubles and undone by Mark Rudan especially, but mm-hmm. also Mark Rudan at um, Marco. Yep, sorry, Marco yep. Rudan at at Western at Western Sydney Wanderers. Um, it's not the first time this has happened, and the, the lack of a sort of I don't know. Uh, yes, the the manner in which Western Sydney got the lead was obviously fortuitous with a, a double deflection, a comical goal. But I thought even even leading up to that, the the midfield battle was one that I think Western Sydney really had the had the beating of their opponents. Their their movement, particularly from the likes of of Callum Neuenhoff and and Milos Ninkovic, who it's just so nice to get the chance to watch him in the flesh again. He's mm-hmm. just a, a joyous player. Um, their movement and the, I, I don't want to say ease, but that just the amount of running they were willing to do on and off the ball to carry it, I feel like they were able to construct a lot more flowing moves, even if they didn't always end in shots on target. Not a lot of troubling for either goalkeeper yeah. in this game, whereas victory seemed to be a bit more reliant on sort of I mean, not that this is a surprise, but moments of transition. You know, can we get the balls to the wingers? Can we isolate Nani against Gabriel Clare, his fullback? Yep. It, it, the the sequences of amount of passes before getting into the front third was a lot sharper for victory. And when they had that sort of elongated phases of possession, they didn't do all that much with it. And yes, Western Sydney weren't a lot better, but I do think they had a more fluid sequence of progression to that front third and once they had the lead they didn't really need to worry about it much more they were able to control the sort of state of play they are a very organized side defensively that back four uh, with the addition of Marcelo to Marcella not to mm-hmm. be confused with the man adds uh, adds a lot of steel and I think they were quite happy to say hey look victory will let you have the ball and it's up to you to break us down and really victory were never really able to, and I, I'd think that that is is of concern because that that to me, other than the the fortuitous nature of the goal for Western Sydney, kind of feels like the the blueprint through which you you can get at this victory side. They looked a lot better when Iconomides was on the on the park, and how long before do you think he becomes a starter? Given given his history with injuries, but also his um, we'll call it potential, you know, going across the to Italy in the Socceroos squad, that kind of thing, and he's, he's come back and he's um he's sort of coming. He's been used as an impact player. They certainly made a difference when he came onto the onto the park. 
How long before he becomes a starter, do you think? Well, it could be. I guess there there are loading and fitness levels to which I'm not privy. I hope it's this weekend because mm-hmm. he's in my fantasy team. But, I, I mean, it could be as early as this weekend. I, I personally don't think that Ben Falami had his best game in, in a victory shirt on Saturday night. I think both both players in the wide areas for victory perhaps struggled with the fact that they weren't getting a heap of support from the fullbacks further further behind. I mean, Broxham especially, I thought, had a, a poor game in the mm-hmm. first half. He was given a, a, a lot to do in that battle Yangi, up against yep. Cassini Yangi, who fortunately for victory faded in this, the second half. Maybe he's someone who's got perhaps some fitness concerns of his own. But, yeah, maybe they, they need that extra spark and Economides might be able to just not offer something different but offer it more from his own back yeah because I just don't think I don't think Falami was was hugely convincing in this in this game but I'm not sure again the fitness levels I think I think Popovich might stay with the what he's he's rolled out for the first couple of games there will have to be I think some changes in the defensive area and whether or not they can get potentially a Mats Baranovic back for Saturday night is is one of the the keys because that readjustment that his absence creates, you know, Broxham having to drop into a fullback, which I think is no longer at his age's best position, creates a lot of headaches in that area. And is that a surprise? I think Victory's defensive depth was always my biggest concern going in. No, but yeah, they 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 need Spiro back because they are um, a far better team with him in. And yeah, it's it's not ideal preparation going into a game. Uh, against Melbourne City with the form they've had to start the season. However, I think victory have have given a good account of themselves against City. City are probably the kind of side against victory can actually do their, you know, play their best football under Tony Popovich. So home crowd too. Yeah, I, I don't think that the the loss is necessarily one that means we write them off from this weekend or from the whole season itself. Yeah, home crowd for Melbourne Derby this Saturday. We'll see how they bounce back against you know the the early pace that is. Yeah, well, up next, Jason, probably my favourite game of the of the round here, Wellington Phoenix and Central Coast Mariners playing out a pretty thrilling two-all draw, I thought, at the, the caked in. Some late, late drama, mm-hmm. a pretty calamitous uh, own goal from uh, Paul Iongo, the, the Central Coast Mariners striker, who someone described him as a as a player who knows where the goals are and he does but <laughs> maybe not, right not maybe not the right ones this time around but yeah heartbreak for him at the death as Wellington get a point do you think that was a, a deserved outcome for Wellington I did it was a very entertaining game it was probably one of my ga- favorite games to watch on the weekend as well we um Ben Wayne scored early for um Wellington, and that was striked off through and uh, offside through VAR. And Jason Cummings did the same with quite the spectacular overhead left foot uh, bicycle kick, which was also deemed offside. They both um, managed to get some goals back on. Um, so, so Cummings stays in the Socceroos frame with that uh, with that form with mm. that form line, which is uh, which is great from the national team perspective. Um, yeah, a great game. I think a fitting result with the draw. Um, Mariners probably um, rue the fact that an own goal in the in the last couple of minutes has cost them three points. I must admit, I did I did find that disallowed Cummings goal quite quite grating. I mean, surely if it's if it's that marginal, 
if mm. it's such a fractional call, and it did take a very long time to make the decision, if the goals, surely there has to be some extent <laughs> to which the decision making, the VAR factors in. How good was the goal? So if a, if a Ben Garuccio Scorpion goal is is offside, we let it we let it we let it slide because of the okay. Of the if it's through. if it's blatantly offside, I actually no. I it took the VAR took a long time to decide. I actually thought on the replay, I thought that's going to get called back. I thought it was offside when they showed it initially. So um, I think they made the right call there. It's just the fact that again VAR is taking too long to come to that no, decision. If, if the goal is anything above an, an eight and a half, just just add an extra, you know, for the metrics. twenty centimeters yeah. to the offside line. Okay. Just, I, I, know, I, I, I I guarantee if that had stood. That would be the highlights that would have been shown all around for the for the A League round. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it, look, it, di- it didn't matter in the end because, uh, as you said, Jason Cummings did eventually get his goal, and that that goal in and of itself was was a, a fine goal in its own right. Gee, I must say, I was Ben Wayne obviously scored on the opening day for Adelaide in uh, against Adelaide. Sorry, in that one all draw provided a lot of energy off the bench, got his starting run this time. I was really impressed with, with Ben Wayne. Not that that's a surprise, mm-hmm. but that was a, a a cultured finish similar to the one that, that, that Cummings scored. I think Cummings was actually after. But, yeah, very similar goal, but nice bit of composure from the uh, from the youngster. The Wayne train and the commentary that uh, that uh, went with it was uh, fantastic as well. It's always nice to hear. Oh, it's Jason so nice Pine. having Jason Pine back. It really, really is. But, yeah, I th- I wouldn't even be surprised if Ben Wayne is someone who doesn't similar to what we're seeing with Garang, I'm not saying they're necessarily mm-hmm. the same the same scale, but it wouldn't shock me to see to see Ben Wayne being someone who maybe departs in January as well. I think he's a really really smart smart striker. There is talk of that, which would which would be good. Well, someone else who's had a lot of chatter around mm-hmm. him to start the A League season, of course is Daniel Arzani. He's making a late run. He is, I think, officially, if he wasn't already, a bolter. He put in a fine performance as MacArthur dealt with Adelaide United, well, somewhat comfortably, somewhat comfortably. The the scoreline in the end is convincing, but Adelaide burned quite a few chances to get a route back into this game. I mean, Hiroshi Ibasuki probably had... Three, I think, two or three massive chances that he wasn't able to convert. But how much uh, are you buying in? Are you are you punching your ticket on the the Daniel Arzani hype train? Uh, it's early. It's early doors in terms of making that decision. What's probably going? Um, what's helping him is Marco Tilio's lack of uh, game time for Melbourne City because you, I think, they have that same X factor impact type role within the national team that they're using it for. I mean, Arnie used uh, Graham Arnold used. Arzani in that type of role for the Oli Ruth, if you'll recall, at the Olympics. Um, and Tilio's not getting any game time. So for him to score one and to provide the assist for, for Lachlan Rose puts him in the frame, definitely puts him in the discussion points. Um, well, we'll wait and see. I'm not buying too much into the hype, but we've got three or four games to go to get more of a, I guess, more of a, uh, I guess, what are we looking for? There's only five weeks until the first game of the Socceroos versus France. That's five weeks. So I'm not sure when the squad's announced, if they're giving mm. him the whole A-League uh, window to uh, give himself a chance for selection. But uh, at this stage, I would say no. But if he has, if he continues to score and provide assists, then it'd be pretty hard to ignore. He is making himself increasingly harder to ignore. I suppose the running 
theory is that there is one X-Factor slot, I guess, that remains in the Socceroos 26-man squad. You'd imagine it's being contested by Qual, Arzani, Tilio. Yeah. I mean, on A-League, the opening rounds of the A-League alone, we haven't seen Garang. We've yeah. seen... He did score for the... He scored for the... He did, and it was yeah. a very good goal, yeah, I yeah. believe, against against India for the under-20s, under and I'm sure... Graham Arnold perhaps paid a lot more attention to that game than I did, who would yep. have been asleep as it as it was played out overnight. But, yeah, Quall hasn't had a chance to really show what he can do. He's obviously been playing in those junior internationals. Tilio we've seen for a, a sum total of 20 minutes, and I there's not a lot to suggest depending on how Patrick Isnorbo uh, adjusts his starting 11 in the absence of Taras Gamulka. Well, he's not the, as he's told us, he's not the national team coach. So his, uh, his no. approach will be strictly towards but, three points. I mean, to, to sort of go off the, the, off the track just a, a little bit very quickly, this is the big problem for me with the, with the Tilio debate, I suppose, is that it's clear in some way, shape or form that he's maybe lost a, a bit of confidence, I guess, um, and at some way along the line, the lever, you know, the 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 discourse sort of shifts because there's this one camp who's like he's not getting enough, he's not getting uh, enough minutes. There's mm-hmm. another one saying, well, there's a reason he's not getting uh, enough minutes. You know, there's this uh, so- front three of current and ex Socceroos who are all doing a good job. He hasn't quite earned his place. I mean, you could play him in midfield, but he, I think, his confidence is maybe dropping, and that's why we're seeing some of these big chances not being converted by the youngster. And then at some point, the narrative will shift and say, "Well, he's not confident, and that's why he can't put him in." But my, I'm worried about if and when that narrative shift is going to occur, because that it places the blame for the player's poor performance exclusively on the player. Oh, he's not confident. Mm-hmm. He's not doing these things that he used to do. But if I was making my case all the time off the bench in the previous season, get, doing enough to get called up, called up to the Socceroos off 30-minute cameos, off playing an average, I think, of 55 minutes per game, so far less than a full 90 every week, my confidence would probably drop too if I still couldn't yeah, practice and, starting and you, 11. And you don't... You've got to realise that that miss against New Zealand in the, the game in New Zealand has... Has is going to haunt him for a long time. He, he he nails that goal. He scored for the Socceroos. His confidence is up, and he, he's pretty much put himself uh, with one one foot into the squad to to go to Qatar. Um, and not having that confidence level mm. up, I guess the blame has to be. Uh, there is no blame. I guess it's, wait, it's still a wait and see. Because but it, I guess my concern is just that it will be used as a justification to not play him, to not select him. When actually, I don't think the Dip in confidence is necessarily a problem exclusively of his own making. I think that, I think that handling of, of his playing minutes is also going to have a. I, I can't see how it couldn't have a part to play if this story around his his sort of dip in confidence is or perceived dip in confidence is to be believed. But anyway, as for as for Macarthur, I think Dwight York is now seven games undefeated in his tenure. Do we have to eat some humble pie on this program about how well Dwight York is doing? Or is this a game against Adelaide United? You know, MacArthur maybe being a more transitionally aligned team, a team with, a, to this point at least, a solid defensive structure that 
maybe suited them, perhaps. Small sample size. Well, this, yeah. I, I'm going to wait and see. We've been a little bit, a few more games. Fair enough. Under, under Dwight. Jury remains out on MacArthur, but Daniel Arzani certainly, certainly winning more people uh, over to his camp mm-hmm. as the Socceroos selection draws near it. Final game of the round. Sydney FC with a big, big win. They got their first three points on the board for the season, bouncing back from that disappointing loss to victory in the Big Blue with a 3-1 win over a team who I think perhaps the alarm bells are starting to ring out uh, over at the uh, Essendon Footy Club training base. Not for Essendon, well, Mm -hmm. probably for Essendon as well because they're a bit of a basket case, but for Western United, uh, a massive, massive disappointment as they went down 3-1 to Sydney FC, Jason, you were there for this one too in the uh, in the press box, watching it from the nice vantage point on halfway. Really concerning, I thought this game for Western. Yeah, I think so. I think in the first sort of twenty to thirty minutes, they should have been two or three up. They had a really um, Sydney FC's defence had a lot of holes in it, and they were allowing too much time on the ball and space for for Western United, and then. Um, from there, we had, um, you know, Jamie Young saved a penalty. So we're thinking this might be Western United's day, but they, um, the quality of Sydney FC's uh, foreigners that are going to come to the fore in the next few weeks in terms of goals with, with Robert Mack and Lolly going to make a difference. And um, looking at the fairly sparse crowd, you could see Priovic and Diamante in the crowd. And I think maybe age and injury uh, might be an issue if they don't turn around their form in the next few weeks. Well, it is an average age for the, for Western United, I think, of over 30, which is, yeah, not dissimilar to, to last year where they did win the A-League men's title, of course, but the longevity, the sustenance of, of that level of performance with a squad that does have ageing bodies yep. everywhere you look, yeah, I, I guess is a major question and especially... That of Leo Lacroix, who yeah, isn't necessarily form, one of the older heads, no, but, but his form that's is a two two games now in which he's he's put in pretty average performances. Of course, he gave away the first penalty that Adam Lafondra couldn't score. It was Nikolai Topol Stanley who gave away the second that Lafondra did. But it, the problem for me, look with Lacroix, is it's not it's not an underperformance where he's returning from injury or something. You know, there's not some mitigating factor necessarily the big concern for me is that when I'm watching him it's the fundamental thing that that the read that I get is that he often seems to be it's it's not an athleticism thing it's that mentally he almost looks one to two seconds behind what's actually happening in front of him like that release from Andrew Redmayne to, to launch the ball over to Adam Lafondra, mm-hmm. he he was he was half a moment yeah. behind where he needed to be, and he's not a slow defender by any stretch. He, he he's a quick yeah. he's a quick guy despite his height, but he didn't read the play properly, and he was he was miles behind, and that's why he had to make the lunging challenge that he did that gave away the penalty. And if you're a player recovering from injury and you're underperforming, well, you're going to get your fitness levels are going to come back, your sharpness will return. But that mental delay is not an easy fix, especially if as a result of what's happened in the opening two games, your confidence does drop. And that's what John Aloisi was saying 
in the press conference um, in the press conference after the game at Amy Park is your confidence does dip when mm. you're the reigning champions and you haven't got a th- got three points in the opening two rounds. He does have a job now to help pick these this team up and remind them of the the culture and the qualities that made them such a strong and fearsome outfit last year. But if Lacroix's confidence has dropped and he's already got that sort of mental lag, that is a really, really hard problem to fix. And with Tomoki Amai out for another six to seven weeks, really the only other defensive cover option they have in that area of the park is Jacob Tratt. Mm-hmm. And so that, to me, is, is massively alarming. But look, those concerns for, for Western United shouldn't take away from what was... You know, not the most convincing performance in the first half, but certainly um, an excellent showing, I thought, in the second 45 from Sydney FC, defending their lead and scoring two great goals through their their new visas, Joe Lolly and and Robert Mack. Hard to pick which one was the better of the two. I'm leaning towards Lolly. I like Lolly's one as well. But look, irrespective of which one was better, they both look absolute quality. I'm not massively convinced over how sustainable this sort of emphasis on cutting inside shooting and hoping for the best is going to be it doesn't even though he did score yesterday it still feels like they're missing that link between what the wide players are offering in possession and Adam LaFondra sort of when he's in and around those two I still think that is a connection they need to to figure out but there are going to be games where Joe Lolly and Robert Mack will find the corners, and when they do it, it'll look pretty spectacular, yep. and I think it did in this game. Maybe a question for superfan Michelle Morris. You watch yes. Sydney FC probably closer than, than you and I. Yes, it's true. It'll be good to get her thoughts. We will head to a, a quick break here on the Oz Football Hour. Get a chance to hear from one of our favourite sponsors at the moment, the Global Institute of Sport, offering postgraduate courses in sport, you can do a Masters of uh, Coaching and Football Analytics online at the MCG. You can enrol for a January 2023 start date if you head to gis.sport slash FNR. But we're going to head to a break. On the other side, we will be speaking to documentary star Michelle Morris about Sydney FC and about all things A-League, all access. Try saying that three times fast. Ever wanted a career in football? At the Global Institute of Sport, you can now study a master's degree in football business or football coaching and analysis right here in Australia. GIS is the largest provider of sports degrees in the UK with campuses at Wembley and Etihad Stadium. Learn online with unique access to the iconic MCG and a big-hitting Australian industry network. Be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree and join GIS's global network of football leaders. Apply now to start in February 2023. Learn more at gis.sport.fnr. That's gis.sport.fnr. Are you looking to change your destiny in life? Be your own boss? Start your own business? If you are, you need people who understand your needs and are committed to helping you make it happen. At DKP and Co Chartered Accountants, we are more than just accountants. We are business advisors, taxation consultants and strategists that specialised in setting up businesses. We understand the client and give them the very best customised advice and strategies to achieve their goals. Visit our website dkpco.com.au or give us a call today on 03 9023 9370. Fast, proactive, personal. That's DKP and Co Chartered Accountants.
victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? Boggy Flanagan and Jason Goldsmith back here on the other side of the break for the final stanza of the Oz Football Hour. And we were talking just on the other side of the break, Jason, about Sydney FC, their 3-1 win over Western United. And I think that summoned uh, our, our special guest into, into the Zoom room. Uh, I speak uh, of none other than the... Uh, I've been going with documentary star. I think I've got to hear you say it as well, Jason. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I've been getting uh, the term super fan a lot recently, uh, even by some of the players. So, yeah, I don't think it's a title that's going any uh, away anytime soon. Now, you're almost front and centre of every... Um of the coverage of when we watch the A-League men or women of Sydney FC, you always seem to be on uh, front and centre, obviously, with the active support. Are you getting any further recognition since the documentary? And also, um, I must admit, on Channel 10, uh, for the first Big Blue, they interviewed pre-match as well. So you're getting more attention, more, more recognition? Um, I, I don't think so. I, I went to Under Armour in Alexandria for a little bit, and I... I was hyping up the documentary and this guy that was in there was like, yeah, actually I saw you in the documentary and you're in the stadium one as well. And I was like, Oh yeah. But uh, I don't think anyone's really, I've, I haven't had anything out in public yet. I'm, I'm hoping for it. <laughs> fingers, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Were you down at Amy? I imagine yesterday for the Western United game. Oh, okay. Hear me out. Oh no. I feel like I there's a long looked- story coming here. I looked at flights. So I was at a hens on the Saturday and I looked at flights, like last minute flights to see if I could go because there was like a gap in between work that I could get there. And the flights were like a thousand dollar return. And I was like, yeah, no, nah, I don't think I can get to Melbourne and back on the same day. So <laughs> watch it from home. Oh, no, that, that's fair enough. I, I think of, of, of all people, if the, uh, the first couple of episodes are anything to go by, if anyone's allowed a, a freebie, you know, uh, uh, so we'll let you off for this one. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely you. What, what did you make of the game, though? The, the two visas on either wing putting in some, uh, some pretty impressive performances, I thought. Yeah, I've been, um, I've really enjoyed seeing Joe Lolly play. Um, I think in that first game against uh, Melbourne Victory, he played so well. I think I don't know. No one was talking about him. I was like, guys, like he, he was like killing it the entire <laughs> game. Um, but yeah, Robert Mack scoring in both games as well is really good to see. I still am worried defensively. Um, Alex Wilkinson doesn't seem like he's going to be coming back anytime soon. And Jack Rodwell is still out. So um, I worry that it didn't look like the cleanest game of football. It didn't look mm. very like good, but you know, we got the three points. So I'll take it. Yeah, I agree with you there, especially in that first half. There's a lot of space was allowed for the attackers of Western United and, and probably need someone to shore up that defence that you just mentioned. So um, Sky Blue, Sydney FC, the four-part documentary, episode four is coming up. So we've seen the first three. Um, what's been your take of it? How were you approached? What's, uh, you want to talk me through the process of them sort of filming you going through your kit in your house and that kind of thing? What, what was it like? Yeah, it was, um, it was pretty cool. So... 
firstly, I, I think it's, it looks really nice. Like visually, mm. I think it was way better than I was expecting it to look like. Um, but basically the first game, so that derby, that away derby, um, everyone was saying, oh, there's a documentary crew, there's a documentary crew. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then someone was like, you got to meet him so you can, you know, so they can interview you. I think you'd be really good to inter- to get interviewed. This was by um, like one of the Cove boys told me to to talk to him. So I went over, I said hi, and he just filmed me like walking in the uh, the train station and just singing a lot. And then I didn't realize how much they were filming me in that first derby either. <laughs> I had no idea. Um and then, yeah, I guess they just noticed that I was at every game and that I was um, doing a lot. And, yeah, they asked to come over to my house to do an interview. And I said, yeah, all good. And, yeah, then they came. They, they've come over like three times or two two or three times to, um, yeah, just kind of film certain stuff. So they came before the women's grand final and, yeah, kind of just went through all of my jerseys and we kind of had to – dress up one of the rooms a bit so had all my jerseys out there and yeah um but but it was really cool like it was a really cool experience Mm. so so basically as as the the filming went on as the cameras continued to turn up your your sort of involvement just expanded You, you almost played yourself into into contention as as time went on yeah it was kind of an like an accident like Um, and I was very like honest in the documentary saying that like, I haven't been in it from the start. Like I, I kind of only recently was part of the cove, um, you know, joining in like 2016, 17 and like they, they never put that in. So like, I don't know, it kind of frustrates me because it's like, I, I don't want people thinking that I am the, the number one supporter and, and I've been there from the start because I, I, I haven't. And, you know, I've only really recently been involved heavily and um but it it was cool and I think because of my relationship with the cove and all those leaders um they were happy for me to be in it because I didn't paint the cove out to be you know something bad or you know make it the the Michelle Morris show um I kind of I tried to very much make it about like it's a group and we all do this together so yeah guess the the results would dictate would have dictated how the documentary progressed and so the women's team and your involvement with the active with the women's team and and their season last season has put you more to the front I would have thought how many of the active supporters like I know Texie and Michelle and a few others there that do the men and the women how many of the the women's sort of active are, are, are involved with both watching the men and the women um I think we're all pretty involved there's a few of them who come only just for the women's games um but I don't know if I would say that they're like active members they they'll come and watch the games and then they'll come over at halftime and say hi but they usually just stay for the women's games um but in terms of like the cove uh going to the women's games it's you know we'll do the double headers because we want to support both the men and the women um but yeah, also, I just think it was so funny that it happened that season because that was the first year that I had decided that I wanted to bring Active back into the women's game. And then they made this documentary that um, kind of featured us. So it was just very coincidental. 
And the semi-final result, which was episode three, obviously um, is almost worth a documentary. <laughs> the game actually helps it evolve. Um, it's been a, a, a fantastic addition to the start of this season. Now, did you watch the, the Nani documentary? Have you seen that one, Michelle? Um, I was about like halfway through and I was like, oh, this is so hard to watch because it's Melbourne Victory. Um, <laughs> but it was cool. The, the second half, if I'm remembering correctly, is where they really get into the game that happened. And so from that perspective, I can understand why that's... Maybe maybe a bit too soon, a bit too too fresh, I imagine. Yeah, well it's it's never fun to, to well, I feel bad. I feel like I'm off. making you relive it now. I've got good guilt, but Oh I had to do it for the documentary. <laughs> but back back to back to something you were were saying before, and I think it it's been one of I don't know about you, Jason, but my favorite bits about the all access documentary about Sky Blue, but just to actually see I mean, the behind-the-scenes part is what a lot of people are, are talking about, and rightly so. But just to have this really nice, like, second-angle, close-up footage, just really high-quality vision of these different moments, I think has been the most satisfying element for me, particularly in a time where, with the broadcasts, we have sort of less angle to those close-ups, to those extra shots that you might get on any, any given match day. To get the slow-mo stuff, uh, that it's been really nice to to get just to look like at what these games can look like with really, really high-quality footage. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so nice that, like, we're getting, you know, I guess the quality that we deserve at this mm. point. Um, it's nice that there's, like, more more involvement in the media. Um, yeah, I think it's good. It's just good all around. Absolutely. Well, Michelle, obviously Sydney FC, the men's side taking on uh, Adelaide United, I think, this weekend. A few guesses as to... Where you're going to be on on that particular date, I'd I'd imagine. Oh, okay. I'm supposed to be flying back from New Zealand that day, so Ooh, okay. I'm hoping that I can get an early flight home and then I'll make the game because it's 3 p.m. kickoff. So it's like a nice Sunday afternoon game. So I'm really hoping to make it. Well, have you had a chance to before before we let you go? Have we had have you had a chance to to see that uh, next uh, instalment of the the Sky Blue series? Will we will we be uh, lucky enough to to see much more of your your face in the final app? Um, I think I can. Well, they haven't. I haven't signed anything to say that I can't say anything. <laughs> but they were still filming at um, that round one game, um, and if they've kept it in, then there's there's me holding up the megaphone at one point in the pub. So. Yeah, um, that's about all I know that they filmed from uh, for episode four. Well, whether it's a a pre-recorded shot in the documentary or maybe uh, something live of of you banging a drum on on the match day on a live broadcaster, I'm sure we'll we'll see you on our screen shortly enough. Uh, Michelle, thank you very much for your time, and yeah, to, to Sydney, best of luck, uh, best of luck for the weekend. Hopefully, you can make it back from uh, New Zealand on time for the match. No worries, thanks, guys. Michelle, thank you. Perfect, uh, super fan. Super fan, Michelle Morris. I'll stick it in there just one more time joining us there. Uh, Jason, what have, what else have we got to run through before the game? I mean, before we end the show, I mean, one thing that I want to want to introduce into the discussion, and it's, a, it's a, I guess, a concerning trend that we're seeing across world football, but it is having an impact on the Socceroos. They're dropping like flies, Jason. They are. They keep getting injured. They are. So, I mean, it might be the 26 um, players that are on the plane to Qatar are the 26 fit ones that are from his last squad of 31. Um, to counteract that, Harry Soutar's coming back and That's playing true. the under-21s for, for Stoke. So if he gets a few games in, I think he will be 
uh, putting him. And he, he is almost big enough to take up two spots in a 26-man squad. So if he's, if, if, if he's playing 45, then that does bode well. But, yeah, some of the concerning ones that we saw over the weekend, obviously, Nathaniel Atkinson in the Conference League game against Fiorentina. That looks like a bit of a... A nasty one, and I think overnight on, I think it was yesterday, uh, Hrustic, Aden Hrustic getting that, I think, ankle ligament, I think I heard. He tried to sort of play through it in the, the match between Verona and Milan, but again, that didn't look like a great one. And Atkinson, it, it's less than ideal. We do have coverage, I suppose, in the form of Fran Karacic. Tommy Deng is someone we know who can slot into a right-back role if required, but was maybe on the... You know, he's still probably on the uh, a fringe soccerer, I suppose. But the the Hrustich one is is really concerning for me. We don't have, particularly with the grey cloud that exists around Tom Rogic's national future, we don't really have another player like Aden Hrustich. No, Hrustich's our most important player in the Socceroos, and uh, that's quite concerning if he's not fit. I think Rogic wasn't even in the West Brom squad over the weekend. Matty Ryan is not starting in Denmark. He's on the bench. Um, so there's a few questions going around. As much as we talk about which A-League player is going to be on the plane, the core of the soccer is starting 11. There's uh, a few questions. I guess Aaron Moy was in form. Uh, Celtic really put Hibs to the sword 6-1, and he, he scored a couple of... That's third place Hibs, by the way. Okay. Um, he's, well... He started for once and played the full 90, I believe, Aaron Moy, and, and gave away a couple of assists, which is which is promising for us, I guess, because he's going to play a lot of minutes. Jackson Irvine's doing okay. But all of our other overseas internationals seem to be coming off the bench, not getting a start, mm. getting injured. So there's only five weeks. I think I mentioned it's five weeks till the France game. It's coming around very quickly. It's kind of ter- it's kind of terrifying. I mean, the 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 long list for the the soccer squad is already in. Yeah, it's players, yeah, it's it's already in. So, Graham Arnold doesn't have a lot of time to to whittle that down. And there might, I mean, he might be having a bit of his job f- done for him at the moment because there is a concern that some of those injuries could be uh you know be written out of a, a long list of their own volition because of the the length of time. But uh, before we head off, Jason. We did this last week. We might even have to develop this into a segment. Quick fire predictions. We've got sort of, you know, two, three minutes or or less. I'm setting a rule for myself that I'm not allowed to deliberate for longer than 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Okay. We'll have uh, producer Pakua timing me to make sure I don't go over. Done. All right. Western United at home at Amy Park to MacArthur on Friday night football. Oh, God. I I will be... uh, covering this game for, for stats before I can see Pakura. I've already used up five seconds. Uh, I already know what I think I'm going to do for this one, so I'm just going to pad a little bit longer just to annoy Pakua and drive it up towards the 30 seconds. Now, I think this game has got um, draw written all over it. I think one all. MacArthur for me, 2-0. Azami to score again. Um, Saturday afternoon, the Jets are hosting the Phoenix. Three o'clock? Five o'clock. Five o'clock. Games at five. God, I'm... I am looking forward to that game. Really, really looking forward to it. I think Newcastle Jess Wellington should be uh, a cracker, uh, particularly that sort of dangling narrative carrot of Renault Piscopo playing against Wellington Phoenix. I'm going to say 3 2 Wellington. Okay, draw for me for that one. Mm. Wanderers at home 
against the Raw 5 o'clock Saturday? Uh, Western Sydney 2-0. I, I didn't see a lot to suggest that Brisbane Raw will put up much of a, a fight. I still don't know if I'd have Western Sydney... I don't know if the result against victory means they're as good a team as some people are trying to say that they are, but I still think they're better than Brisbane. Uh, Brisbane didn't give us anything up no. and to suggest even tipping them. So Wanderers for me 2-0 as well. Uh, Saturday night is the Melbourne Derby. Victory are hosting uh, Melbourne City at Amy Park. So big crowd expected already. Uh, this should be the game of the round. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's a derby. It should absolutely be... Always, yep. It should always be the, the, the game of the round. It comes at an interesting time, particularly for victory off the back of that uh, disappointing loss to Western Sydney that we were talking about in detail before, whereas I mean, it's it's a good result, the 2-0 win over, over Brisbane for City to, but it's also a bad result because it was so easy, it wasn't a test, it's almost like you're not priming yourself up in the right way for such an important game against victory. I'm I lean towards a City win but I'm going to go for a one-all draw. City, 3-1 for me. Marco Tilio to score off the bench, and we'll start talking. In two minutes. Wow. <laughs> Quick fire. Maybe. Sunday, Sydney FC at home to Adelaide United, and then the Mariners are hosting Perth Glory. Hmm. I'm going to go 2-1, 2-1 Adelaide. 2-1 Adelaide. I just think... They haven't been great to start the opening few rounds of the season, but I'm thinking back to what Michelle was saying about, and you were mentioning before, before as well, Jason, about Sydney FC's defensive fragilities. I think well, they survived yep. against a, a weakened, a previchless United attack at Amy Park on Sunday, whereas Adelaide's attack is going to be full strength is pretty star-studded. You know, Goodwin, Halloran, Ibasuki is a, a pretty threatening front line, and that's not even mentioning the players they have in reserve. I think Sydney FC's weakened defence that is clearly still finding its feet is going to, to have a little bit less joy keeping that lineup at bay. So I'll go for, for Sydney, but I uh, sorry, for Adelaide, but I wouldn't be surprised if Sydney got the win. It could go either way. Yeah, I'm going for a draw, but there'll definitely be goals in that one. Uh, Mariners at home to Perth Glory. I am getting on the Mariners and the Come Dingo to score again and uh, get us talking about him going to Qatar. If not to Qatar World Cup, the Qatar Asian Cup in 23-24. Ah, yes, yes, that... That, that was a, an interesting decision, d- decision that, that it, raised a few eyebrows, I suppose. I guess the infrastructure is there, so that's why the Asian Cup. Yeah, I mean. Uh, but again, yep. it's just the time of year just puts it off to another summer. The, the infra- infrastructure uh, is there so long as we don't talk about how it got there. Uh, Central Coast Mariners to win this game for me 3 1, and after scoring a very unfortunate own goal. Uh, against Wellington, I'm going to back Paul Iongo in to get his first goal in the right net uh, on Sunday. So uh, there you have it, Jason. Been a, a quick fire. It almost has been a quick fire hour. I feel like we've moved through everything pretty quickly. We've done well. The flow's getting there. I think we get through the sixty minutes really quick. Absolutely, you're slowly uh, reigning in my my long winded pontifications. Uh, thanks very much to Michelle Morris. Uh, for joining us to talk a little bit about Sky Blue and A-Leagues All Access. Looking forward to the Charlie Austin edition dropping of that on Thursday. We might have a, might have to start like a film club here on the Oz Football Hour. Film club, it'll work. Well, something for us to ponder. But uh, until then, we'll see you next week. Thanks for your company. 
victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Unbelievable kick. Come on here.